Welcome. My name is Pastor Scott. So glad to be with you here. We're starting a new sermon series called What Disciples Do. Today we're talking about gather. And I'll just start with just a confession of vulnerability. Uh, it, it feels a little odd to, to preach this morning on how important this all is. Uh, because the last thing we would want this to be is either showboating, uh, uh, telling you that we're really important as uh, church leaders, that's not it, or to feel discouraged if you're in a season where you've not been able to come to church a lot. Today, though, we do get a chance, I do get the opportunity to talk theologically uh, from the scriptures of God's heart has always been that we would be a people formed by gathered worship, the church, what we thought about historically as church. Today, we get to talk a little bit about this, this big question, does church even matter anymore? And uh, I've got a few answers, but it's more important that you have a few answers by the end. So let's pray and ask the Spirit to give us all some answers. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much uh, for the gathered community, for these moments to sing songs to you, or to give back an offering to you, to open your scriptures and to teach words about you. It's all worship. And it all matters to you. And so today, Father, as we open your scriptures again to learn about your heart for your people gathering in worship, we pray that we would learn more of what disciples do and that we would come to a deeper understanding that the church still matters in our lives, in our community. And this would be a framework of invitation to people who aren't here, encouragement for those who have stopped attending, reminders for those of us whose lives have kind of crowded out the gathered worship on Sundays. Uh, May we uh, be formed in community. Uh, Lord Jesus, we're thankful for what you're about to do. In your name we pray. Amen. Uh, Week one, today we're talking what disciples do. This first value is gather. Your title today is, uh, do we even need church anymore? Does church even even matter anymore? Um, I want to tell you a story of how this church came to be and how I got to be a part of it. the, we'll need, we would need more time to tell all this story, but let me, set, let, me, let me set the setting, as all good stories do. This story begins in Cassis, France, on the Mediterranean Sea. This is Cassis, this lovely seaside town. My wife and I were on a vacation there. At the time, I was a small business owner. God had moved me from uh, working in Hollywood uh, in the marketing of a, a production company teaching high school English, moving to Seattle, running a small business, but this itch. I wanted my life to have meaning and purpose. And I was crying out to God, what will we do? My wife and I were fortunate enough through my small business. We were in Cassis, France, reuniting after a tough season of marriage, raising little ones. And friends, I just, I need you to know this. We have not talked a lot about it, but God gave me a really specific call in my life in a hotel room in Cassis, France. And, and this is what it was. God said, come and build the church. Now, come and build the church in Cassis, France. And I thought, well, what in the world do I do with that? My wife was out. She was in the market. I was back in the hotel room. We were both doing the thing that we love to do. And then we were meeting up that night. And as we sat, Nick, can we see that picture again? As we sat in Cassis, France, on the waterfront, and literally, this looks like a painting. It's not. It's a photo. We were in one of these little seaside cafes eating boulebets, because as we all know, Cassis, France is the home of great boulebets. And so there's, there's boulebets, little lobster tails, and sea creatures here. And, you know, Heather's carrying on about the day, and we're, you know, eating boulebets in Cassis, France. And I literally, as she's telling me about the market and the day, and she's talking and talking and talking, I'm like, stop talking. 
just a moment, I couldn't get the words out because I was so freaked out. I said, what would you say? I, I've, got, I've, I've got horrible news. I don't want to ruin your bula bays, but I've got horrible news. God spoke to me today. She said, well, what is it? I said, God told me that, that I'm, that we're, we're supposed to build the church. I don't even know what that means. And what does that have to do with bula bays in the south of France? This is not good news. I mean, I'm like dying. And Heather received it and melted and confirmed some things that God had been doing in our life for a long time. And she's like, I'm with you. Friends, it felt like a loss at a moment because I was a guy that was raised kind of outside the church. I, like many others, had said, maybe church doesn't matter anymore. I grew up around religion, but we all know that Sundays were free to do whatever we want now in a, in a post-50s era. We love our freedom. We know we can experience Christ through the thrill of a Sounders game or dawn on the inside passage. And, and does church matter anymore? I'm not sure. And I was a young man who loved adventure. I did that moment, been on six or seven world continents. I'd lived in a van driven around the lower 48 United States. Man, I want adventure. God, give me, give me anything. Just send me somewhere. And God's like, yeah, I'm sending you to one of the toughest mission fields. I want you to go and build the church. And it felt like, honestly, a death sentence at the moment. And then we just said, all right, God, what does that mean? And we started this process of stepping into a call to come and build the church. Now, there's many other people that are also building the church. I have no grandiose uh, illusions that what we do here is somehow better. No, this isn't about the other churches in town for sure at all or uh, some indictment on American Christianity. But for me, I'm telling you, it felt in the moment like a loss because I wasn't sure the church could be an adventure still, that the church mattered anymore. And friends, in the last seven years that this church has come to, to existence, I will tell you, the adventure still awaits. And we've seen God do massive things in the lives of individuals and people that were far from God come closer to God. And we've had a front row seat to massive transformation. And we've also hurt a lot and lost people that get sent across the country and across the world and people that get frustrated with organized religion, people that we love a great deal that stop believing in the gathering. This was not an easy call for God to share, but the call stands. The adventure awaits. Come and build the church. Because for God and his, in his wisdom, God has always been about revelation happening in community. And friends, what I want to, when I want to talk to you today, I'm going to look at a number of different scriptures th throughout the Bible around this, this meta question, does the church matter anymore? I'm going to give you the Cliff Notes ending. It does. It always has and it always will, though it looks different in every season. And it matters a great deal. And in the midst of preparing this message this week, we've had broken bones in my family, cars breaking down. I may or may not have pneumonia. I will probably not hug you today because I want you to know that the devil does not want you to hear this message this morning. The devil does not want you to be reminded that gathered worship matters. 
Because if, if it's true what the scriptures say, that when we gather and when we proclaim that strongholds fall, that Jesus is proclaimed, that when God gathers his people and they worship him and the angels sing, it's one of the most powerful forms of opposition and resistance that we can have. Like, what if we actually believe that going to church was like the resistance movement to, to the enemy's approach? And all week long, I've been reminded the enemy doesn't want us to believe this anymore. The enemy wants believers to think, not just me and Jesus now. Not just me and Jesus. The church, ah, take it or leave it. It's, you know, it's a little loud. He's, he's a little much. The worship's a little huh, or the kids' ministry's a little huh. You know, and we've we kind of built church into this consumer, you know, kind of snack bar buffet line where we can kind of pick and choose the things we want. We're not sure it matters anymore functionally in the lives of American Christians. We go around the world and to, to where the church is flourishing and new disciples being made. And if you had that kind of like, well, yeah, we go to church a couple times a year. It's you know really kind of optional. They would look at you like they're crazy. Because for the early church and the church in the third world right now, they know that they need each other or else they'll be destroyed by the prevailing winds of culture. For the early church, it would gather slaves and, and women and outcasts and they would gather in basements and in caves and they would have scripture and little fragments and they would break bread and it was, it was life, it was meaning, it was sustenance. And every day they were aware that they were in the minority of a prevailing culture, but when they gathered with other believers, it was community. It was food for the journey. And so, today I get a chance to just unpack a little bit of the why and how of the gathered worship. Because though we live in a busy, fractured world with this competing narrative that the church of the gathering doesn't matter anymore, the growing disciples, growing Jesus followers are called to gather and study Jesus and worship together in order to stir each other up and understand the true revelation of Christ happens in community. And it's always been that way. That it it's always been a call towards togetherness. So let's look at our outline. Let's look at three things that kind of set the stage for the why. Why does church matter? Obviously, we would need much more time to, to do this uh, to do this justice, but we're going to move quickly today. Just look at three brief points of why, through the scriptures, that disciples have been called to gather, what we call going to church. Why do disciples gather? First, to encourage others. Look at that Hebrews verse that we had read to us. The first, uh, Hebrews 10, verses 23 through 25, let us hold unswervingly to the hope we profess. For he who promised is faithful. The language here is just gorgeous. And let us consider how we may spur one another on toward love and good deeds, not giving up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another all the more as you see the day approaching. The writer of Hebrews saying that the, the, one of the fundamental reasons of the gathered worship is to encourage one another and all the more when you see the prevailing winds of culture telling you it doesn't matter anymore. All the more as you see the day approaching. All the more when you look into the world and say, you know, I, I don't know what's going on. All the more the church is called, the writer of Hebrews said, to matter more, to encourage together. And it's incredibly hard to believe at times that we would actually encourage one another's faith by showing up to a church service. Does that even matter anymore? Does it matter anymore? Does, does showing up even actually encourage one another? Friends, there's power in a gathering. 
There's power in a gathering. Look at that with anything you've hosted. It's a birthday party or a neighborhood block thing, whatever. And some of you are like really averse to kind of hosting because it's a lot, people in your home and kids and all that. But there's definitely power in the, in the gathering. There's power in a crowd. I mean, I remember I played high school sports. You know that. We've talked about this. Our, our, our high school football team had been historically horrible for, for like 15 years until, until it was uh, our senior year. We'd kind of, you know, we'd, we'd been to a place we hadn't been for 15 years. We were undefeated. 8-0. We were playing Tumwater, undefeated, 8-0. We were fifth in state. They were third in state. Played at Little Ingersoll Stadium. Our school didn't even own its own stadium. There's, you know, several hundred thousand people. Friday night lights, though, it's a thing. There's energy, the band, cheerleaders, the kids. You, you know, you feel like, I mean, it's great, you know. We came out of that locker room, understand this is probably the biggest game in our 18 years of life, and there's a crowd and we come out for warm-ups. The game starts at 7 o'clock. We, 5.30, we're out for warm-ups. There's already over 2,000 people there. We're like, hmm, this is unique. People, by the time the game time starts, we came onto the field, and they were, the stands were full. Around the track, they were five deep all the way around the stands. Now, this is a small-town Olympia. This doesn't matter. But my point is, running onto that field, the crowd was acknowledging, man, something big is about to take place. Now, we ended up getting destroyed in that game, but that's not the point, all right? I don't want to talk about Tumwater football this morning. It was so bloody good, but no. The point was the gathering signified something was going down. Man, something's going down tonight in West Olympia. It's going down. And when, and when God's people gather, the world notices. They notice. We pay attention to a crowd, and, and be careful here. We don't measure discipleship growth by the crowd. This church doesn't ascend to some sort of maturity the bigger it gets. No, no, our, our maturity is measured in how disciples are worshiping Jesus and able to witness of Jesus' growth in their life into their homes, into their schools, in, in, into their workplaces, into their communities, so that Jesus could work through us. That's what we're after. But with the more people that come, I will tell you that the world notices. We're, we're built in order to, to gather a crowd. And there's power in that crowd. And we know that everyone in the crowd, when they come to worship, has a gift to contribute. This is not a place for superheroes. This is not a place where everything is fine. How are you? Fine. And I want to slap you. No, you're not. You're sad this week. Or you're excited or whatever. Let's stop saying fine. Okay? Like at church, and I get it, we got to do it because there's a hundred people and we can't just cry our way through every Sunday, but how am I? I'm, I'm a little beat up this week. I may or may not have pneumonia, all right? You're like, okay, mental note, do not touch Pastor Scott today. Point is, we don't have to be fine. No, we don't gather when we're good. We gather as God's people and everyone is important, not because the staff says so, but because the church is gathered. The strong are a gift to the weak. And the weak are a gift to everyone. And the teachers are a gift to those who are hungry and have questions. And the merciful are a gift to those who are doubting or have failed. And the old bless the young. We are all contributing to the gifts of one another. And some people say, you know, I, I'm into Jesus. I'm not just into the church. That tells me you're into yourself. Because when we gather and worship, it's more than just me. Man, I saw that guy play, play the fiddle today. That sounded awesome. And I know he's done youth ministry stuff here. I didn't even know he could play fiddle. 
And we come to church to express our gifts and get to know each other in community. It's more than just me. People are like, oh, you know, I podcast and I do the liturgist thing and I'm whatever. You know, I'm like, I get it. But we were actually built, the scriptures say, to, to spur one another on, to encourage one another that in the gathered community, we would be able to experience Christ in a rich and deep way. We had this Sunday, the first Sunday, I think about 2014, the church we meeting in a couple of years, we're at the, the Spartan gym, and um, it was a snowy Sunday. And as a mobile church, when it snows, it's kind of like, man, are we going to be able to even pull church off this week? I don't know. And so we decided to have church this first Sunday of, say, 2014, but it was super stripped down, like no stage. In those days, we had lights and stage and everything we had to bring in, not, and and we didn't, a lot of times we would stream Pastor Richard. We have no Richard. Like, I just got up and shared some things from the Bible. We had some chairs. I think we had like one or two people on guitar. But it felt so beautiful because then the rest of the town was kind of shut down on a snowy Sunday morning. And here, some disciples in, in a gym in Shoreline singing about Jesus. And in the message, the message is about the power of community, and some couples at the end of that thing, some of the indie people, some friends of mine, they're like, I don't even know you. And they went out and they had lunch. And do you know they still gather pretty regularly today because of what happened on that Sunday morning? And had they not been there that Sunday morning, they would have missed out. Like, when you're not here, we're missing you. Like, your attendance matters. We don't take attendance And keep in mind, we're not trying to build an empire. We're trying to build disciples. When you're here, you contribute to the encouragement of others. The next thing that the church does historically through the scriptures and theologically through the scriptures is to break strongholds. In the book of Joshua, Joshua enters the promised land, and God gives him these crazy instructions to take Jericho. You know the story. Look at verse 15 and 16 from Joshua 6. <clears throat> on the seventh day, they got up at daybreak. They marched around the city seven times in the same manner, except that on that day, they circled the city seven times. Everything they would have done to take this city is totally the opposite of how God calls them to gather together, to march together, to shout together, to, to play horns together. The seventh time around, the priest sounded the trumpet. Joshua commanded the army, shout, for the Lord has given you the city. And they shout, and the walls fall down. And the walls fall down. We are called as a church to be breaking strongholds. We are called as a church, if this church matters, to help people get from being enslaved to becoming free in Christ. And every one of us has different battles. My battle's not any better or worse than yours. We're facing different demons, but let's rest assured, we're broken people in need of a savior. And the church reminds us that the strongholds need to fall. Now, we're not superheroes that gather out of our strength. We're people vulnerable to one another saying, God, I need you to to make my heart new. And when you look at that Joshua story, you see that God's heart is for us to take new ground in enemy territory, to, to topple strongholds. We also see that God's saving power is real, and he's often going to ask you to march around the problem you want to face in solitude, and he wants you to march around with a group of people called the church, because you will not get there on your own. You won't do it. I don't know what stronghold you're facing on addiction, on consumerism, on racism, and having a blind eye towards the needs of, 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 of the needy in our community. 
But every one of us has something that God is trying to get to topple so we can be more like him. And he actually intends that we would do it together. And it's so absolutely counterintuitive to everything that we understand about ourselves now. But this is the way that it's been. The church was meant to be a pillar of strength in order that the strongholds of worship to anything other than Jesus Christ, which is idolatry, the worship of anything else would take second place and fall so that we would be able to worship Christ. First Timothy, Paul writes to his young church leader friend, Timothy, First Timothy 3.15, if I am delayed, Paul says, you will know how people ought to conduct themselves in God's household, which is the church of the living God, the pillar and the foundation of the truth. Now, those are audacious words as a pastor to claim, that this church would be a pillar and foundation of truth. But I will tell you that this is our intent. And though we're made up of teaching that's, eh, ah, this, how was it? Ah, the teaching, yeah, worship, ah, the kids' ministry. Like, it's more than the sum of its parts. Stop just looking at church as some sort of consumeristic you know, evaluation and know that you belong in a community. And if it's not this one, that's okay. And go to another one and call that place home and believe that your attendance matters, your participation matters, that God wants to do something, not through our perfection, but through the family of faith that is the church. A pastor told this story of a gang member coming to faith and happened in an evangelistic rally. And most research sociologically is when, when gangs are formed, they're really formed to fill a void around family and community. It's not around the crime. It, it, it's around the family where young, young people are brought into a community and said, we're going to be your family now. And so this young gangster came to faith in Christ and was like, what's next? And the pastor's like, well, you know, come to church Sunday. So he came and then the young gangster, now Christian, is like, well, what's next? And he's like, uh, come to a midweek Bible study Wednesday. And so the guy gets there, the young gangster turned Christian, and hardly anyone's there. And he's like, okay, what's next? He's like, well, there's like a soup kitchen thing on Thursday. And so the guy shows up at that, and hardly anyone's at that. And he's like, okay, what's next? This happens for several weeks, and finally comes and sees the pastor. And the pastor's like, you know, What's next is it's just Sundays. Like, don't have too big of expectation. Like, you come on Sundays and you get, and the guy's like, oh, I, I, thought, it was, I thought it was a family. I thought I was being brought into a new family. And the pastor tells the story. He literally just, he just kind of walked off shaking his head. Because for many of us, our idea of church has been, so move down the priority chain, what we've been handed to us, it's really a pretty small footprint in the impact of our lives. And I know we're busy and there's other priorities, I get that, and yet for God's people, we're, church is called to be a family, a pillar of truth, to topple strongholds, to spur one another on, and finally, first, first point of the why of church is to make Christ visible. We're called to make Christ visible. Look at 1 Corinthians 12, 12, just as a body, though one has many parts, all as its many parts form one body, so it is with Christ. This is the whole thing, friends. That when we gather as a church to proclaim Jesus Christ, we, we preach our priorities. That the gathering of, of Christians, we say, this is why we gather, because I need Jesus in my life. 
and I can't do it alone, and I want Christ to be visible in me and through me, and so I want to participate in a church. And so gathered worship is where we practice living with priority. We practice living our priority, that if my intent is to follow Jesus and my life looks like him, my habits need to reflect that. I need to show up and worship him. I can do it in my car with the radio, and I can listen to a sermon online, but it's not the same as being there. So many times, we're like, well, how is church Sunday? And I'm like, you know, you had, you had to be there. Because a lot of what happens when the spirit moves, it's intangibles. And it's the dancing little girl in the front. And it's somebody in their 70s who's got their hands outstretched with a tear of worship still after decades of following him. And it's fellowship between people of different skin colors and socioeconomic status over a cup of coffee in a, where they would never have met each other before. You just had to be here to make Christ visible. This is how we proclaim that Christ is visible in our lives and we show up together. So let's look a little bit quickly here at how. How, how if, if church is mattered, if God has gathered crowds, how? Has he intended that we do this? Two simple thoughts here. The first is habitually. This comes from Luke 4, habitually. The disciples are called to gather habitually. And this is where I just want to challenge you. I want to challenge you that the average attendance, surveys have showed at Bethany, is 1.6 times a month. And I know summer for many of us even becomes less than that. But I want to, as we look at the year ahead, this is not a guilt trip. This is a reflection. 1.6 times a month does not build community. And you will not feel like you matter here if you're never here. But if you come and make relationships and hear the word of Christ proclaimed, we are doing our best to show up week in and week out to proclaim Jesus Christ together. And we need you here. We want you here. And we want you to want others to be here with you. That's some of the heartbeat of moving to three smaller services at 815, 945, and 1115 is that you might think, Man, there's going to be some empty seats. Who lives on my block? Who do I know? They really don't have a church to go to. The power of imitation is how the spirit of Christ moves in our communities. We don't have evangelistic campaigns anymore. How will people hear about Jesus Christ? Not from your pastor, but from you. They're not podcasting me. They're watching you. And so might you be encouraged to continue to invite friends, neighbors, your kids, friends. Hey, throw a sleepover Saturday night. Bring them all to church in the morning. We know that research shows that kids that come to faith before 18, much more likely to come to faith, if at all. It happens when people are young. And so we want to just talk about the, the habit of, of gathering for worship. In Luke 4, it's amazing. Jesus spends you know, all this time out in the wilderness and he comes out of the wilderness. It says this, Luke 4, 14. Jesus returned to Galilee in the power of the Spirit. The Spirit is in him already. He's got the power of the Spirit. News about him spread through the countryside. He was teaching in the church, in the synagogues, and everyone praised him. He went to Nazareth, where he had been brought up. And on the Sabbath day, he went to the synagogue, as was his custom. And he stood up to read, and the scroll of the prophet Isaiah was handed to him. And, and he read the, the passage from Isaiah, The Spirit of the Lord is on me, because he's anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. 
He sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners and recovery of sight for the blind, to set the oppressed free, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. And then Jesus says this. Do you remember this? The shortest sermon in the history of church. He says, today this scripture is fulfilled in your hearing. Eight words, right? One, two, three, four, five, seven, eight. Eight words. And you're like, man, Pastor Scott, you could learn something there. Like, shorter is better, right? But today, the scripture is fulfilled in your hearing. It's amazing. But it's incredible that Jesus, like, yeah, he goes to church. New anointing on him. He's just wrestled with the devil. The spirit is in him. Where does he go? He goes to church, as was his custom. And he preaches the fact that he is the new life. He is the Messiah. We are called to gather habitually and not out of guilt. Psalm 122 says, I was glad when they said, let us go worship the Lord together. We're called to be habitually gathered, not out of guilt and not out of religion where we're just kind of showing up. Ah, oh, it's another Sunday. You know, no, we, we, we come hungry. I want, I want that truth of Jesus in my life. And I want to march around the strongholds together. And I want to spur one another on, Jesus, I don't even know how you might use me this Sunday. In one of the kids' classrooms, making coffee. Maybe it's just looking for somebody that doesn't belong here yet and say, hey, how are you? Welcome. You, you know, people have determined what a church is like before they've even sat down to hear a pastor speak and how the church lives out its values. So when you, when you come, may you know that you're on a mission so we gather habitually, and then finally, we gather as participants. This comes again from Hebrews 10, where we began. Let us consider how we may spur one another on toward love and good deeds, that we are called to be living a life of gathering for worship where we're participating together in proclamation of Jesus Christ with our friends. And friends, I just want to tell you so much that and you know this with your head. I want to remind you with your heart that our lives will reflect our priorities. Oftentimes you'll say, you know what I'm going to do next year or when I get older. And I'm often, I don't want to be cynical, but I just say, well, no, you won't. If you do those things then, you'll do them now. Because, friends, our lives will become what we repeatedly do. We are not above the formation of the everyday. Our lives will become what we repeatedly do. And so may you be formed to be like Jesus Christ. And that'll happen way more outside of Sundays in community and around your scriptures. But it will include Sundays. Because our lives will become what we repeatedly do. And particularly for people raising kids in the room. When you bring your kids to church, you're reminding them and teaching the next generation. Hey, this still matters. It matters. This is what C.S. Lewis talks about, the power of community. Lewis says, Christ works on us in all sorts of ways, but above all, he works on us through each other. We are mirrors or carriers of Christ to each other. That is why the church, the whole body of Christians, showing him to one another is so important. It's so easy to think that the church has a lot of different purposes, education, buildings, missions, holding services, but the church exists for no other purpose but to draw people to Christ, to make them little Christ. And so as John Wesley said about the church, he said, there's nothing more unchristian than a solitary Christian. We need each other. We do. When we were launched, we had this phrase we used all the time, be the church. Be the church. And people recently, somebody said to me, like, be the church. Didn't that mean, like, we don't actually have to come to church? I'm like, no. No, what it means is we don't need a building. We need a people. 
The church is growing all over the world without buildings. And for far too long, looking back historically, the church was just a space. And we don't need a building. If you've got one, we would take it gladly. We could talk after service. But no, we don't need a building. We don't. We need Jesus and we need each other. And so when we say be the church, it says it's a reminder to us that the church isn't a building. The church is a people. And so we proclaim that as participants, that God wants us to be in community with one another. And so the church matters. And so as the scared 30-something-year-old guy eating bula bays, thinking this is disaster, I've been reminded in the last seven years that the adventure still awaits. Because a group of you, some of you still here, we did this. We said, hey, this could matter. We started a little church in a community center, and, and, and there was fellowship, and it was, it was Sunday gatherings, and our lives were connected together. And it was beautiful and challenging. The church doesn't matter anymore. Friends, I'm here to say and remind, and it sure does. And we're not done yet. And we are a people of God that he wants to continue to move and form us together. And oftentimes in Christianity now, you know, we kind of talk about the journey. And I think what the picture we give, particularly young people today, it's like of, you know, getting to like the edge of a forest and being given a, a Swiss army knife and a headlamp and a poorly drawn map and saying, this is the journey you've been called to. Good luck out there. Like, I hope you make it. And then we just send them off into the woods. Whatever happened to that last little one? You know, like, that's not, no, no, no. No, the church is not this solitary hike in the mountains by ourselves, Friends, the church is more like the hike of a mountain together, like a rope team. Any of you ever climb mountains? Okay, we got to get outside more as a car. Yes, Don Heath has climbed mountains. And when you climb, as everybody knows, you don't climb alone. You're roped together. You're literally roped together because we need each other. And if you're not on a rope, you might not make it because you see that, that crevasse on the other side. Man, if that dude in orange goes, he's gone. Like, oh, good luck to the guy in orange, all right? No, they're roped together because we need each other. We, we need each other. We need, we need your strength. You're strong. I need you to hold that because you're a man of strength. And you've been in this church for so long. We're so thankful for you. We love you. We love you. You know that. We need your passion. Oh, my goodness, this woman is passionate. You'd see her loving people out of Junction. We need you. Can you grab that? Okay, we're going to need everyone here, okay? Hey, man, I love your sense of humor, your, your optimism. You just, like, we're, all, we're all part of it. I don't even know you guys, but I believe that you matter <laughs> a great deal, okay? Like, like we matter, like, you're making a difference in the lives of kids every day. You're speaking Jesus, high school kids. Thank you for that. All right? John, you're an awesome fly fisherman, too. So, I, like, we're going to need that, too. Like, we need each other. All right, every one of you has a gift. And you don't have my gift. That's okay. You're out saving people. You're a police officer. We need you. Man, I love you. Every one of us, we belong together. Not as a solitary hiker, like, good luck out there, Michael. I hope you make it. No, together, okay, together. We belong 
together. That's how the rope team works. That's how the church works. Does it matter anymore? It does. Would you pray with me? Lord Jesus, thank you for these people, these dear people that walk in and out every Sunday uh, still believing that this place matters, that these people matter. And Jesus, we pray that you would do a work, that you, you would continue to allow us to invite friends and neighbors, that we'd be reminded in a culture telling us church doesn't matter so much anymore, that we would still come and proclaim you. And that this would be a, a reminder that our participation in this place is really creating a family. Thank you, Lord, for allowing me to be here with these people alongside on the rope team. And as we worship you, we pray that our lives would speak from our priorities, reminded that we are what we repeatedly do. And so we want to repeatedly do this. We want to keep showing up, even when the pastor blows it, even when the worship is, you know, like, even, you know, no, it's not some consumeristic thing. No, it's about a people being together. We love you. Thank you for loving us. And all God's people said, amen. Will you stand together as we close in song?